Good morning. Awesome. Y'all sound great. Y'all had a fantastic morning so far. Make sure my Bible app is open on my phone and I can read it. Uh, yeah, good morning. Uh, I know I've seen John Thaxton bringing in a few TV trays. If anybody else needs a tray or table, you are more than welcome to sit at that ping pong table back there. I think there's a few cookies left over from our princess uh, little luncheon we had yesterday. And so grab one of those on your way out, or you can get up and go grab one right now if you want to and have a cookie. And while we hang out for a little while, obviously uh, you know that Andy John is on vacation this week. I think he's down at the beach with his family. I think they'll be back in town obviously later in the week. He's planning on preaching Sunday, I hope. If not, we're all in trouble because I don't know who is. <clears throat> um, and I guess I should probably know that. Um, and so uh, it is he. Uh, but anyway, we're glad that you're here uh, for kind of our midweek luncheon. Uh, we were discussing um, uh, months ago about what to do on Wednesdays in July. I think traditionally for the last few years anyway, we've been off on Wednesday nights in July. Uh, we've done some uh, different things in our communities and uh, did some community uh, cookouts, neighborhood cookouts, uh, kind of outreach things of that nature. We'd encourage you to con- continue to do that on Wednesday nights if you have the opportunity to uh, do that, uh, get maybe with uh, some of your um, connect groups or other ministries and uh, hang out, fellowship, uh, just give you some time to do that as a church family. And Andy John came up with this great idea, how about we just do a little uh, short uh, lunch hour uh, over in the student center. Uh, hopefully some of you uh, have the opportunity to come and hear you. The ones who are here, you did. You had that opportunity. Those of us, those of our congregation who are not here, they're still working, and so be praying for those guys. <clears throat> but anyway, we're glad that we have opportunity to do this and dive into some scripture. I probably uh, will not keep you as long as Andy, John, and Katie did last week. I think Katie is in here. It was 100% her fault uh, that you were here for about 60 minutes, um, <clears throat> but no. Um, I've uh, went. I only have three pages of notes, and so maybe thirty minutes or so. And so I would encourage you to just tune in for thirty minutes or so, and then you can hang out and fellowship. Or if you need to get back to work, you're welcome to do that. But the Lord can speak to our hearts, whether it's thirty minutes or sixty minutes. Amen. And so anyway, let me pray for us, and we'll jump right in. Father God, we thank you again for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you. Uh, for just, Lord, an informal time that we can just uh, gather together and uh, study your word for a short time. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds. And, Father, we pray for our pastor, God, and just pray for a time of respite for him and his family. And uh, just uh, let him come back refreshed uh, and ready to preach Sunday. We know that uh, we'll be in for a treat and probably a long day, God, but uh, that is coming from you. So we'll be glad to hear it and see it. And, Lord, again, just speak to our hearts today, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, if you got a Bible or Bible out, uh, flip it open to 1 Timothy. <clears throat> we'll be in chapter 4. Uh, we were in chapter 2, I think, last week. Um, as I asked Andy John what he kind of what direction he wanted me to go today, he suggested uh, chapter 4, so I assume he may come back next week and jump back into chapter 3. I can't confirm that, so don't hold me to it, but we'll be in chapter 4. So uh, just flip your Bible or your Bible out to 1 Timothy 4, and uh, we'll jump in there. We'll read the uh, whole 16 verses uh, before we exit here today. But before we jump into chapter 4, as I was thinking about 
uh, what we were talking about last week in our study uh, last week, a few things just uh, popped out to me that I really just wanted to share with you. Number one, uh, when we uh, do uh, in-depth uh, Bible studies and word studies and um, all, all kinds of, of study of Scripture uh, for ourselves, uh, when we do that, um, and this is just what, what, what the Holy Spirit is, is convicting me about, let's make sure our motives are pure. And what I mean by that is if I read some scripture uh, that is, it, it pops off the page to me and, and convicts my heart or I hear it an odd way or, or it makes me get in my feels, so to speak, or even my turn something in my emotions, uh, let's make sure when we want to, I guess, um, clarify that or go to other sources to get some more viewpoints or commentaries or whatever that is, let's make sure that our motives are pure, uh, that we want to know what God is speaking, that who God is speaking to, uh, the character of God. We want to draw closer to God by doing those things. What we don't want to do is read some of those scripture and it convict my heart, and then me try to justify something else. Like, well, I, I need to read this in a maybe even a different version Bible. Or let's get a commentary for somebody else that may kind of align with, with the way that I think or things of that nature. And just be aware of that, um, that as we try to do those things sometimes, uh, that we can let um, uh, those things kind of seep in where our motives are not right when we do those, so just make sure your motives are right. Number two, also be aware of our resources. I am 100% under the conviction that the Word of God is absolute truth. No matter what, it's, at, it's God-breathed, it is absolute truth. I am not under the conviction that Twitter is absolute truth. Uh, that even commentaries, other commentaries, are not absolute truth. Now, they are great. I read some of those. I, I had a, as I was preparing for this, I had two different version Bibles. One was a study Bible and those things. And, and the Bible itself, absolute truth. I've got to be aware of what resources I use and commentaries I use and what Twitter feeds I follow and all kinds of things and resources. We have so much knowledge at, the, at our fingertips, I can get on here and read any viewpoint on any topic under the sun. So just be aware of those things when we're researching those things. And lastly, don't be scared to and know that it is okay to just read Scripture and do it. We don't have to uh, do these long, in-depth discussions to find out the where and the why. Sometimes it's so, and those things are great. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong on that. But sometimes it's okay to just read Scripture and do it. And I'm going to give you an example of that, and she's probably going to kill me. My wife is super introvert, and she is gifted to be a leader. But she leads in a much different way because of her gifting. She likes to lead behind the scenes. She does not want to be on the stage. She does not want to be up here speaking in front of you or talking in front of you. You put her in a classroom of three-year-olds, three she thrives. Uh, you put her, give her some uh, functions to do behind the scenes, she's going to pull them off. And that's her gifting. And so because of her gifting and characteristics, when she reads some scripture, like the ones that we read last week, um, 
in First Timothy chapter 2, women should learn quietly and submissively. For her, when she reads that, she's high-fiving God. Right on, brother. Yes, sir. That's me. That's in my gifting. That's in my wheelhouse. I can do that. She's also like, I'm like thank you, God. Greg, I'm not, I don't want to be on stage, and she killed me about two uh, months ago. I got her on stage in the sanctuary on a Wednesday night to help me with a game. Afterwards, I got my ear full, and she wore me up. Don't ever get me up on stage again. And, but when she reads this, she loves it. And we can do that with Scripture. It is okay to do that. And that's okay to question and do in-depth studies. But it is also sometimes, it's okay to read Scripture and just do it. Um, Amen? Amen. Now let's jump into, I didn't close my Bible app. I thought I was done preaching. Here we go. 1 Timothy um, 4. Now, 1 Timothy 4 is kind of broken up into two separate parts. The first, I think, five verses. Um, We'll talk about demonic influence, false teachings, uh, things of that nature, which is two separate, really odd topics. We've got that at the first part of that scripture, and then the rest of the uh, chapter, verses 6 through 16, uh, Paul's really just encouraging uh, Timothy uh, to keep doing what he's doing and he's giving some um, pointers on how to do that and how to encourage the church and how to encourage the believers there and so really two different uh, topics but we're going to talk about those very briefly and I'm going to read First uh, Timothy vo- uh, 4 verses 1 through 5 <clears throat> let's see it reads I'm reading the NLT version now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods, but God created those foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. Let's pray again. Father God, we uh, pray, God, again, that you would speak to our hearts and minds this morning. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity uh, to, to dig in your word, to grow closer to you. And again, we just pray that you would speak clearly and our hearts and minds would be open to what you have for us today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Now, this is not the first time that Paul mentions uh, these things. In 1 Timothy, in, in the first chapter, uh, he talks about false doctrine and misuse of the law. If you flip back all the way over there to chapter 1, he's already referencing uh, false teachings and false doctrines in chapter 1. Uh, even one of my study Bibles, the, the study Bible that I was using uh, to do some of this study, it uh, mentions the section that I just read, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, as the, the subtitle there was just demonic influence. And so it titles these scripture as demonic influence. And as we heard last week uh, when Katie and Andy John was teaching, uh, there was some crazy train of thought uh, going on uh, in the church and seeping into the church there. And here we find Paul talking about it again. So Paul is writing to the church on this topic that he finds detrimental to the future of this congregation. So much so that he continues to harp on it. 
this is the second time again in First uh, Timothy that he uh, is talking about it. And if it's that important for Paul uh, to convey that to Timothy in the church in that day and age, I think it's pretty important that we should examine it and talk about it in our day and age as well. Paul mentions... They will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. And I can agree with Paul that if there is any folk out there telling folks not to eat steak and ribs, that's demonic. Amen? I get it. Uh, Katie mentioned last week some of the false teachings that they were dealing with. But as I read... And, and read through this scripture and, and some of the things that I was studying, I started to think about what does this look like in today's church. Now, going back, I don't think if anybody's telling you not to eat steak and ribs, that's not uh, demonic. But seriously, what does that look like in today's church? Do we even talk about those things? Do we even think about those things that if there was some demonic teaching, if there was some false doctrine seeping into the church, what would that look like in today's culture? And I think it's important that we talk about that because Paul is talking about that to the New Testament church and talking about that to Timothy. And so what does that look like? Some of the things that I thought about, obviously uh, it's it's talking topic for, for many years, is like the, the prosperity gospel. You're probably aware of that. You've heard about that before. The prosperity gospel is, is false teaching. You, you, the, you name it, you claim it gospel, so to speak, is false teaching, false doctrine. Anything that is false or outside of Christ is, in essence, anti-Christ and so could be considered uh, demonic. A works-based salvation, those are some things that we probably hear around here in some of our denominations, uh, that you must work your way or you must do certain things to receive salvation, that uh, you can talk about those things in regards to baptism sometimes, that you you can't get saved until after you're baptized and things of that nature, and we could go in-depth about a lot of those uh, topics, but those are just uh, some. Another I remember seeing a video, I've seen it several times, you may have seen it, of Oprah Winfrey uh, years ago. She made a statement and she said, um, there were in fact many ways to God, not just Jesus. She said, and I'm summarizing here something along the lines of, I don't believe uh, that my God would, would penalize me for, for uh, trying to get to God a different way other than outside of Jesus. So, of course, we know Jesus' words. Uh, say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So if you're teaching or preaching any way to get to God other than Jesus, then that would be false doctrine. That would be uh, a demonic influence, if you will. Um, Lastly, as I was beginning uh, to do this study, uh, I follow several different, some crazy accounts on social media. One of those, I don't even know why, I didn't even follow this account. This video just popped up. And along the same line you ever uh, think stuff and then it starts popping up on facebook and you're like i was just thinking that i didn't talk it how does facebook know that i was thinking that this was kind of one of those moments where this video just pops up or maybe just it was divine intervention and the lord's like hey you can use this video uh in your in your talk so uh, watch this video uh when, when i think about demonic influence in the church today or false doctrine in the church today watch this video invite you to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the sparkle creed i believe in the non-binary god 
whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. Now that gives you probably, of all the things that I mentioned, when you say false doctrine or demonic influence, you would probably watch that and be like, that probably checks the boxes. Sparkle Creed, Ace Quilt, the Rainbow Spirit. Those, I mean, what are they even talking about? Who knows? But even if you go with the wording, you could see where Jesus, he said he had two dads. Well, you, you could probably connect the dots with some of those things. But that, in my opinion, is a a straightforward example of what demonic influence seeping into the church looks like. It's very religious. It's very much similar to the things that we read and teach. But in essence, if we know the truth, they are so far off. But we could be blinded or we could have those those, uh, muffs on our ears and not hear or not see if we don't stay on our, on our toes, uh, so to speak. When we think, we, we think that's crazy, but did you hear the voices in that video? There were probably at least this many people in that room saying this creed. I don't know if they were all reading it or they were all reciting it, but they sound energetic about it. They sound passionate about it, so these people believe uh, what they were saying. Another thing that I thought was peculiar, you heard, you heard uh, children. I don't know if it was babies or, or small children, but you heard small children in that video. So they have children in this setting, and so these children are being raised in this environment and are going to be taught, I assume, these same uh, types of doctrines and, and demonic influence. <clears throat> and they are raising the next generation of that belief. Now Paul says in that scripture that we just read they are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. <clears throat> so what that conveys to me is that we better be on guard. We better be on guard for what we are listening to, what we are watching, uh, what we think we are getting taught even Going back to the, some of the things that I were mentioning when I uh, first started talking, we better be watching what we're reading. We better be watching what the, the voices that we are listening to, the content that we are consuming. Um, I hear Andy, I have heard Andy, John, and Pastor Dusty for years. Don't take my truth. Don't, don't take it from my mouth as truth. Study it for yourselves. Read your own Bible. Know that these things are true. Um, you, uh, again, you better be on guard. Because this ain't the good old Bible Belt anymore. 
I don't know if it's been the good old Bible Belt in many, many years. We seem to uh, at times think it is, but it's been a long way uh, from the good old days of the Bible Belt, so to speak. These false teachings and demonic influence is what you're going to have to explain to your children and grandchildren, and you better already be doing that by explaining to them the goodness of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it'll make it plain when they see videos like this and hear things like this, they will automatically already know that that is not truth because you've already conveyed, uh, again, the truth to them. And this, in, this, this permeates the culture and the church, you've seen a culture move in this direction where it, 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 there is now churches that look and teach and, and do these things. Uh, somebody asked me earlier, how was the Vermont trip? It was awesome. Uh, when we were in Vermont, uh, the, the culture there, the living culture, is much like our culture. I come away thinking they are very conservative in their culture is conservative. What I mean by that is they don't want to move forward. They want Bennington, Vermont, this little small town, it's a little bigger than Ardmore, a little smaller than Athens, somewhere in between, to look and act and do everything just like they've done it in the 1700s when a lot of those houses were built. There's no new buildings, there's no new subdivisions, not much growth. Even when there is a business like Walmart that comes in, they haven't had a Walmart long. It looks, they paint it brown so it disappears and it's not all the flashy signs and all those things. They want to live their lives the same way they've lived their lives in Bennington, Vermont for 200 years. They want to continue living like that. But spiritually, spiritually, they don't have a preference. That's how I came away. They're not necessarily forward-leaning. In spiritual matters, they just don't have a preference. We had the opportunity to talk to this one guy. He came off the hiking trail. He had hiked from Georgia all the way to Vermont. He's over here from uh, the U.K. His accent was so thick, uh, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. He couldn't understand a word I was saying. And he, he came over here just to hike for six months. He made it to Vermont. He hurt his ankle, so he came into town, got looked at. It was okay. He was going to get back on the trail and, and head on up to Maine. And um, we, we were getting up to, we had a big barbecue and got a, a lot of people in the community there and we're uh, just ministering. And uh, one of our, Doug, one of our uh, mission uh, uh, guys, uh, missionaries who was with us, he asked him when we get up to go eat, he said, so do you believe in God? And this was his response. He just went, eh. And man, what a great picture of the spiritual attitude of Vermont because that's how they felt. They're not, hey, we, they don't, it's like we don't need God. We don't have to have God. You know, I kind of probably believe there's something, but in, in town there, you know, there's not a lot of progressive thinking like maybe some of these things. There's not in your face. You're not seeing a lot of, of, of uh, those ideas. But in town there with flagpoles right downtown, beautiful small town, and on this flagpole would be an American flag, and the next flagpole would be a rainbow flag. And then the American flag and then rainbow flag. And nobody thought anything about it. It wasn't like they were out there protesting or doing anything crazy. It was just part of the, the culture. And they just didn't need the Lord. It's where they were just, just eh, like that. And that's what happens 
when we let anything, and it doesn't even have to be this far as this video, but anything permeate our homes and our churches is that we get to a place far away from God, and in Bennington, Vermont, the devil don't even have to work because he's just got them so blinded that they don't even need anything. Are your kids aware that there are demonic influences in our culture? Do you ever think about those things? Do you ever talk about those things with your children? Now, I do believe that, that there should be an age at some point. We're not going to talk about those things with two, three, four, five, six-year-olds. But even as I was doing this study and preparing for this, I was like, I need to be talking about this with my kids. My youngest daughter's 12. My oldest son at home is 17. I should be having conversations about real scriptural things where I'm talking about demonic influence and false doctrine and false teaching because they see it every time they pick this thing up. And I need to be conveying that to them. Do we even care? When we start to talk about demonic things and demonic possession and demonic spirits and things like that, us in the Baptist church want to shut it down. We don't want to talk about those things because we've got it good. We don't want to discuss uh, uh, kind of weird or, or crazy topics like that, but it's in the Scripture. It's in the Bible. Paul is conveying this again for the second time in the book of Timothy here. But I digress. Again, this is a Baptist church. We don't like to talk or discuss those things, so I'll move on. See us... In the Baptist church would rather waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Now, you might be asking, Greg, how can you say that? I didn't say that. Paul did. If you read on down, uh, we'll start with uh, verse number 6. He says, If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished By the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed, do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why... We work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. Those are Paul's words. Again, he says, instead of arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales, train yourself to be godly. 
Wouldn't that be awesome if we would just quit arguing and bickering about small things that do not matter and we worried more about training ourselves to be godly? If we would quit having heated discussions over wall colors, carpet colors, chairs, pews, uh, parking, where are we going to put new signs at, and all those things, and worried about how we could be more godly. He talks about being, uh, he, he compares the spiritual side of that to being physically fit. Neglecting spiritual exercise has eternal consequences. He tells us again to train yourself to be godly. If we're not training ourselves to be godly, if we're not working on that day in and day out, that can have eternal consequences. Now, most people who work out physically have goals in mind. If somebody is a runner and they're preparing for a 5K or a marathon or something, they will uh, train for weeks, sometimes months in advance up to that event because they have a goal in mind. They want to finish the race. They want to finish the 5K. Um, I have two sons who are playing football. Football season's coming up. They've been working out. They'll have uh, days where they max out. They'll go for weeks and weeks and weeks working out, and then they'll have a max day where they try to uh, beat their last goal and if, if they were benching 250 pounds the next goal may be 275 pounds the next goal may be 325 pounds but they have goals as they work through those physical attributes of exercising those things do we have spiritual goals do we have have we ever even thought about having spiritual goals in our lives if nothing else we should just want to grow closer in our relationship with God That should be goal number one. If nothing else, if you've never even thought about that, never even thought, man, do I have spiritual goals. Spiritual goal number one, get closer to God. Know more about him. Know more about his character. Know more about who he is, how I should treat people by the way he treats people. One Christian author said this, This pursuit of godliness requires sustained, vigorous effort. It allows for no laziness, no half-hearted commitment. In short, it demands the highest priority in a Christian's life. But so many times, it isn't. So many times, that aspect of our lives is not even in our top ten. We have all kinds of things that are on our top ten list. Our children, our children's education, our children's athletics, uh, recreational things, careers, money, homes, cars, clothes, all kinds of things on our top ten list, but there is no space for spiritual goals. We don't have spiritual goals. Do you have spiritual goals? Goes. Here's a good quote that I read. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Do you have any type of spiritual goal for yourself? I remember as a new believer, I was sitting in this sanctuary and I seen a young man. I don't remember if he was a deacon or pastor or what, but I just seen a guy baptized his own son. And I remember thinking vividly, I want to be that dude one day. I don't know what it takes. I don't know if I need to be a pastor. I don't know if I need to be a deacon. I, don't, I know I want to share the gospel with my own children, walk them through what that looks like, what that means, 
And I would pray, Lord, that you would bless me that I could baptize my own children. That was a spiritual goal. Praise God I've been able to do that. Do you have spiritual goals? Again, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. We should strive to be lean, mean, godly machines for the glory of God and the good of other people. Paul says in verse 10, Scroll back up. Let's see. Let's see. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle, for our hope is in the living God. Some versions say we continue to suffer for the glory of God and the good of man. Here's some goals from Paul's words. If you don't have any spiritual goals, Paul gives Timothy some here as uh, through his encouragement, and I'm going to uh, shoot those to you as bullet points. So if you don't have any spiritual goals, you ever n- have never thought about spiritual goals, here are some that you could write down for yourself as Paul gives these to Timothy. He, he, here's directives uh, that Paul gives. He says, teach these things. Teach these things. Well, Greg, I'm not gifted to be a teacher. I'm, that's not one of my spiritual gifts. Well, you are called to make disciples, and you make disciples by teaching these things. And at the very least, you can do that in your own home. If you have children, you can teach these things to your own children or to your own grandchildren. You can do these things, uh, if, if you're my generation, you can do these things in a youth group or uh, to, to new believers is who you can teach these things to. You can be an example. Not necessarily uh, being, I'm not talking about preaching on the, on, on the corner or uh, using your spiritual gifts like we use in these four walls. I'm just talking about being an example. Be a godly example. I had the opportunity in the last few weeks to coach my daughter's recreational all-star team. And we went to, we played about 20, 25 games in about four weekends, and it was awesome. We was all over North Alabama, and the state tournament was down in Alexander City. We go down to Alexander City after every single game, all the girls clap hands, good game, good game. They all congregate around the pitcher's mound and get a circle in. And every single game that we played in, 25 games or so, I prayed with every kid there. Now, I don't know if there were coaches on the other team who would have done it, but I wasn't wasting time to see because I'm going to lead that out. I'm not going to waste time and be like, hey, good game, and they they say, hey, softball on three, one, two, three, softball, and anybody disperses. Before any of that happens, I'm going to pray. And so I did that over and over and over again, 25 games. The last tournament was in a state tournament in Alexander City. We're praying. We play this team. This one coach, assistant coach, walks after I pray, walks on, he said, man, that prayer was awesome. That was, man, I appreciate that, man. Thank you, thank you. We played them again about two days later. They beat our uh, brains in again. <clears throat> I pray again. I pray the Lord would save their souls. <clears throat> and afterwards, same guy walks back up to me again, and like he's fired up this time. He's like, because I, I did. I shared the gospel like a 20-second. All I said, girls, the most important thing you will ever do in your life probably won't happen on a softball field. The most important thing you'll ever do in your life is surrender your life uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Let's pray. And prayed for him. He comes up, makes a beeline to me. He's fired up, man. You keep preaching and you keep praying the word. That was awesome, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I don't know if that dude will ever do that again, but the reason I do it, it's because somebody was an example to me years ago, and I seen somebody else do it. 
And so I pray maybe one of those coaches at one of these 25 games that I've done that in, maybe that guy will start to do that with other people in other places, just being an example. And that's just one example. Focus on reading the Scripture. Focus on reading the Scripture. If you have the Version Bible app, they send you one Scripture every single day. That's probably the very bare minimal that we should be doing. But it pops up on your screen. When I wake up, it's the first thing I see on the, on the front of my screen. You can plan when it comes to you. If you'd rather read it late at night, at lunch, whenever. You can, we've got uh, devotionals. We've got the Word for You Today devotionals up front. You know, you can get the Word for You Today um, on, as an app on your phone, and you can push play, and it'll read it to you. <clears throat> now, this doesn't say let somebody read Scripture to you. It's, the Bible says you read it. But if that's all you can do, you may listen to somebody read it to you on the way to work. Reading scriptures. Encourage the believers. Encourage other believers. When you see other believers, whether you go to church with them or not, one thing that we're out at the ball fields and football fields and all kinds of stuff all the time, I love being around other believers when we're in those settings where other people who are not believers see us and they're watching to see how you act. Encourage them. Use your spiritual gifts. Verse 14, and I'm I'm, uh, summarizing what Paul says. Do something with your spiritual gifts. We all have spiritual gifts. I mentioned my wife, some of her spiritual gifts earlier. She's behind the scenes. She don't want to be out front. She don't want to have a mic and on stage and all those things. Well, I do. And we, we, we work together well. She uses her spiritual gifts, and I use my spiritual gifts. God has gifted us with spiritual gifts to lift up the body, encourage believers, and do these things for his glory and the good of man. Work, and again, I'm summarizing Paul right here. Work your butt off. Work. Don't get lazy. Don't quit. Continue to do it for other people, for the good of man. For God's glory, work your butt off, and he says, Paul's words, stay true to what is right. Stay true to what is right. I'd like to add a a quote that I used to hear Pastor Dusty say all the time. He said, don't be a spiritual sponge. What does that mean? We come to church every time the doors open. We go to class. We come to, uh, to meetings like this, and we absorb, we absorb, we absorb, we absorb, we absorb, and do nothing with it. We don't, put, we don't give it back out to anybody else. We don't try to pour into anybody else. We don't apply the things that we learn outside of the four walls of this building. We just try to be a spirit. We, we're, we want all the knowledge and do nothing with it. Don't be a spiritual sponge. Do something with it. Last thing before we uh, pray and, and close... Um, Last thing on my notes, you must take ownership of your own spiritual growth. That must be you. You cannot hold others responsible for your own spiritual growth. You are responsible for that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, again, we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for your word today, God. And I pray, Lord, as we continue to dig through Scripture, that your Holy Spirit will... Uh, speak to our hearts, our minds, Lord, and you, you reveal things to us, Lord. We pray, God, that you would make your will 
uh, uh, clear and plain to us, God, and we would follow you. I'm thankful for all the people in this room today, God, and just pray that you'd bless them as they uh, leave this place today. Bless the rest of their day, Lord. And uh, God, again, we love you. We thank you uh, for what you're doing here at Lindsay Lane and pray that you continue to use us to do it for your glory and the good of man. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.